Blog Talk Radio. It's August 5th, 2018. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where for progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and the privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Sorry about being a little late. We had a little phone problem here. Not sure what that's all about, but uh, by way of explanation, that's why we're a couple minutes late. Uh, having said that, uh, and you know, I, I guess I'm not sure what that thing is all about. It had to do with some Internet uh, connectivity. I lost it earlier, and it came back on. I'm not sure that the phone got reconnected, but because it's a VOIP phone. Uh, so having said all of that, let's get on to our announcements. First of all, from me, thank you to each and every member who at great risk put themselves out in front to run for UAW International Executive Board positions. And most especially to each and every member of the team working for a living who did so. And to all of our supporters for their unwavering support. Thank you all. Very much appreciated by each and every one of us. We did this at great considerable personal risk and people have actually had actions taken against them prior to all of the convention just for being part of our leadership, or at least it appeared that way. It's our opinion. So uh, thank you for all of that and for you know, the leadership of the team that came together and ran on slate. We did that in the best interest of the membership. And we hope, and we know, that we've had change in our union because of it. So thank each and every one. Announcement number two. Uh, also, congratulations to the winners of the UAW office at convention in June. And remember, your UAW offices dictate that you perform in the interest of the membership in all ways. Announcement number three, UAW, I'm sorry, <laughs> Working for a Living uh, Caucus continues to support Medicare for each and every person in the United States. Announcement number four, since our last show, Janice became Supreme Court case law. And we'd like to watch closely the Illinois legislature as they are leading the way to find a work around this Supreme Court of the United States decision. We wish you the best in all of that. We're not privy to everything just yet, but we'll, we'll see. Somebody's pinging me here. I'm not sure why. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay. 
uh, announcement number five on July 26, 2018, the Detroit News reported that past UAW International President authorized the use of National Training Center monies for the benefit of the UAW Union. We'll wait and see if that's actually the case. We have read the um, transcript of the uh, indictment, and I didn't see his name in it, so we'll just see. This is very bad, and there's a lot of other things that are very bad going on in the union, but I didn't see his name directly in there. So if, and we'll post that on the website. And it, it's been posted around, but we'll make sure that it's on the website for posterity purposes. This is something that's very, very bad. Very bad. I hope it no longer continues to be the case and that they look into other areas of potential uh, past on the show. Uh, announcement number six, in many states, Tuesday, August 7th, is a primary election day. So make sure you get out and vote. It's important. Announcement number seven, as it happens, Missouri has a right-to-work right referendum vote on Tuesday's ballot. Please, everyone in Missouri, get out and vote against right to work. Also, special thank you to UAW Local Union 2250 President Clint Cage Jr. for his strong leadership in defeating right to work in Missouri this upcoming Tuesday. We hope you had the support from the region as well during his speech this afternoon. If not, just take it that this is important and we need to get out there and defeat it. Our members and every other union in Missouri and around the nation need to get out there and make sure this gets, we're all watching, make sure that this gets defeated. Thank you. Um, announcement number eight, the UAW and in fact, all other recognized major Michigan unions have endorsed candidate Gretchen Whitmer for governor. That election is Tuesday, just like it is in Missouri, August 7th this Tuesday. Please consider supporting her on Tuesday. If you have any thoughts of trying to help, give her a call at her Lansing office and volunteer to call and get the vote out, just to staff the polling sites to get the uh, assured that everybody understands she's running, and just do anything that they need. Sometimes it's just taking water out to the poll. So give it some thought. Uh, messages and email. Uh, first one is Thank you to all team working for 11 candidates for running for office and challenging the status quo caucus. That's from all around the country. And thank, again, thank, thank you for all of your support. And, you know, thanks for thanking us. But uh, it's, uh, it was an honor and privilege to do what we did. And uh, we did it with the best, very best 
of intentions to make our union a better place for everybody, each and every member, retired, active, and every tier you can think of that shouldn't be there. Or, uh, email number two. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Lansing UAW Local 2724's golf outing on Saturday, August 4th, 2018? I'll cover that later in the show. I will just preface that by saying, you know, we endorse candidates for election. And this is the weekend before the election. It's normally considered get-out-the-vote weekend, uh, GOTV, some of you know it as. And uh, our candidates are looking and watching to see what we do to help. And when we're out golfing, when we're out golfing, they take real exception to that. They kind of go, why do I even bother to ask for your endorsement? Nobody said that out loud. But, you know, they're watching us here in Michigan and around the nation. When we endorse candidates, we truly have to get out and give give them a little help any way we can. So that's part of my report. Uh, Email message number three. Uh, What do you think the new UAW officers should do next? We'll have more later in the show. I believe David's uh, part. Uh, that was pretty much around the country. We got that from a lot of email come in regarding some of these uh, that, can, that I'm talking about here. Uh, email number four. Rather, again, David's going to cover that later in the show, I believe. Uh, email number four. Do you have any thoughts on the Black Lake Globalization Conference later this month? Um, that uh, it's a state that's probably identifiable, so we'll just say um, that that came in uh, over the weekend here. So, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, and I believe everybody in the team would concur. Globalization. Let's just talk about that for a second. You know, that includes the whole world, globalization. We look here in our own country, and we're having trouble organizing our own people here because of some of the things that have been done. Not the least of which is telling them that they have a foreign union model that they're going to be presented with as we represent them, and uh, that'd be enforced. I can tell you that Jerry Dias, Unifor president from Canada, has been marginalized, to say the least, in the past little while. He left our convention angry, visibly angry, when he hurriedly left our convention in June. What about, you know, we have NAFTA out there, but what about some, you know, North American agreement for workers? You know, if we have free trade, why can't we have, you know, something that says, you know, workers should be free too, you know, to some degree. You know, the other thing is we here have two in North America where we're trying to say we're to get a handle on this way before we get a hold of globalization 
you know, we got two first-tier industrial countries, Canada and the United States, and we're paired up with a third, essentially a third-world country paying less than $3 an hour to their workers there. And nobody's done anything, not in a sliding scale. You heard us talk about it, me in particular, that we need to have a sliding scale for Mexico until they get at least up to our minimum wage. And that hasn't happened. We, you know, I advocated that since the early 90s when it came into being, 93. How can you do this without a sliding scale for that third world country when we have all of this good here in the United States? And if we're going to have globalization of unions, you know, we need to start taking a look at our own backyard before we go anywhere else because we're going to fall flat on our face just like we've done in many of our organizing drives when they look at us and say, well, you have some problems that you've got to repair before we'll come in. The same, the same measure applies to globalization. So... Having said that, um, that's about my comments on globalization. Let's clean up our own backyard. Let's make friends with Canada. You know, let's organize some good folks here in the United States and get this handled, okay? So having said that, um, let's move on. Uh, That was about the the extent of the messages and emails or some others that uh, were in in the news mostly that talked about us, but... Uh, we, you know, it's it's okay uh, that we not discuss that. Most of you read that anyhow. Uh, so I mean, one thing comes to mind that I just say that uh, in in the message, the fact that one uh, news entity said that the three presidential candidates were void of politics, uh, for the most part, I know, you know. We here don't put a R or a D label to the problems. We express the problems, and those are all political problems, you see. The tax imbalance with the rest of the world in the United States where they're on a sales tax and they don't enforce their sales tax here. And solving that would just be charging their sales tax and sending the money back to their country. Okay, so that's a political thing. But we don't put R and a D next to it. You know, it's good for our country. That's what we need to be doing. So uh, that was stated in the media and probably ought to have been just clarified a little bit. We do it. We just don't do it with a partisan aspect. We do it with a worker versus corporation or what's in the interest of our country. So we take a different approach than uh, traditional politics. Um, we have a definition this week. Caucus is the definite word that we're defined. So um, look this up on the internet. Caucus equals where the membership from different parts of the organization may gather. Each separate group within the organization may meet prior to the convention as a caucus. Each caucus may decide how the group would vote on various issues or candidates that may come up at the convention, each member of the caucus is bound to support the decisions on issues and candidates of the caucus and to, in all ways, act to support their own caucus. That's an interesting quote 
for the uh, caucus uh, or uh, a definition for caucus. Uh, and you know you can find it on the internet. Uh, so I'm getting pinged here some more. Okay, yeah, we're in the middle of the show. There you go, folks. I just have to get back to you. Uh, and for this week's quote, uh, with an election moment on Tuesday in many parts of the country, this quote from Walter Ruther seems appropriate. This is from the 1970 UAW Constitutional Convention by Walter Ruther. There is a direct relationship between the ballot box and the bread box, and what the union fights for and wins at the bargaining table can be taken away in the legislative halls. Remember that. Remember that. I can tell you that there are three House Rep candidates for our legislator, legislature running. There is only one candidate that is union worthy. And that candidate has worked with me and I've worked with her. There's three women running for many years. She has led the way to support the fixing of the pensions in our township. She's led the way of turning our township from red to blue and led the way on any and all union issues to see to it that there is essential justice for each and every union member that works for the township. She supports all union work. She supports the notion that unions should be building buildings. We lost, as you know, the uh, prevailing wage. The answer to that is just to hire all union work. She supports that. She's a good, strong union supporter, and she happens to be the treasurer of Meridian Township. The UAW did not endorse, but I've been supporting her and actually walked door-to-door on Saturday with her. And that's not the first time you've heard me talk about it before, that I've walked door-to-door. And I do a lot of other things to support the efforts that she has been championing up. So we wish her the very, very best. And I can rest assured that as she is in the legislature and rises to leadership in the legislature, that she will support every effort not to take away anything from unions, any unions. So thank you for all your hard work. This is a person, a hard-working woman candidate who has been walking since last June door-to-door and has covered in the past six months 100 houses a day. She's been back two and three times to some homes. Thank you for all your hard work on behalf of working men and women, and we hope that you're successful on Tuesday. I'm quite sure, so I'm pretty to the full that she will be. Okay, let's uh, get the fellows on here. Uh, let's see, here's Jeff. Hi, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm okay, everybody. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Got a little long there. It's been a while since we had a show, so we had a little stuff to talk about. But uh, how's things down there in Flat Rock? 
Um, we still don't have a local agreement. Uh, during the convention, um, election day, I see my entire e-board walking around Cobo Hall. Mm-hmm. And that, that concerns me about them being paid while attending the convention. I do have plans to retire. I just can't, um, body don't want to work no more. Uh, walking into a plant is just a killer on my knees. I do have some good news for people. If you are losing hearing, you can get free hearing aids through the state of Michigan. I got mine two weeks ago, and they are top-of-the-line hearing aids. They're about the size of a quarter. You can listen to iTunes on them, which is pretty cool. Again, these are free. The only requirements to receive free hearing aids is to be working and have hearing loss. Those are the only two requirements. They will ask for every now and then uh, copies of your pay stub so that you prove that you are still working. Um, after 90 days, they will stop asking for it. If you're interested in it, inbox me, and I'll give you all the information. And this is from Michigan. Workers only. I don't know if Ohio, Ohio has one of these programs or not, but I was surprised to see that Michigan does. Um, Wait, do, you have a phone, do you have a phone number or anything, contact information, Jeff? Because there are some people that just simply aren't on Facebook. And listen to the show. Yes. The Riverside Hearing Services, it is in um, Riverview, Michigan. Their phone number is 734-486-4444. And that's in the Downriver area of Detroit. Um, and then they will refer you to the, uh, the state uh, personnel who is in Taylor, and they will take care of you. So, so if you have any more questions, again, that's by no way an endorsement of, from us, but this is for free hearing aids, right? Right. Okay. Free hearing aids. You know, a lot of the old factory rats have lost a lot of hearing over the years. And um I'll tell you what, I was very surprised by how much better I can hear with these hearing aids. Um, much, I'm only mentioning it because they help. They help my brothers and sisters in getting the hearing aids who have been working in the factories a long time. That's a good thing. Okay, so 
Yes. Well, thanks uh, for that. Uh, okay, thanks for that information, Jeff. That's very, very important. And again, that's not an endorsement of anybody. There's nobody really making any money on this. The states provide these for free. You just have to have a conduit to find it. And and because there are people listening to the show that are not on Facebook and can contact you on Facebook, uh, they can get mm-hmm. a hold of you uh, uh, or get a hold of that that uh, entity uh, with the information you gave them. So thank you, Joe. Right. David, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Leroy. I've been busy this this week. Um, post-election, or prior to the election, I should say, um, working to help candidates that will support um, labor and also support our environment. Um, and I still have a lot of work yet to do this evening. Um, but uh, it's very hot here today. Um been a long day. Um, uh, this week's quote um, about Walter Ruther. I've been seeing a lot of uh, posts on Facebook, memes, citing Walter Ruther. Um, uh, I have a lot of respect for his family, especially John, uh, Victor's son, um, and the rest of their family. However, if uh, Mary Mary Harris was sitting at the table with us today, she would ask us to pray for him because he died many decades ago. And she would ask us to fight like hell for the living. Um, This isn't Walter Ruther's union, the union that he presided over. So I think we should move on in the future and take Mary Harris's advice and fight like hell for the living. Right, right. I believe his uh, his nephew uh, uh, listens to our show pretty much every week, so we really thank him for that, and we hope that we can do justice by and through our efforts here to the uh, memory of those who really did a good job for our union, including his uh, uncle uh, Walter. So, uh, are you wearing a headset, Leroy? No, I'm not. I'm just on speakerphone. Let me turn this off speaker to fix problem. You're you're in and out. Possibly yeah. it's my phone, but um, Yeah, we'll try that and see how that goes. Because my regular phone uh, is a VOIP phone, and it's not not working for some reason. We had some internet interruption. Earlier, I'm pretty sure they were working on the line. They were on the pole uh, through the week. Uh, I'm not sure what they were doing at the junction box, but it wasn't anything to do with me, for sure. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, you know, this whole notion of people making posts and things, and, yes, it's good that they're quoting Walter, but, you know, when we endorse Canada, you'll hear me more, talk more about there it. There you are. It, yeah. When, since you brought it Whatever up. you just did, you're uh, back. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, yeah good. Uh, I hope that this was clear enough for everybody else, but uh, the whole notion that we endorse candidates and we need to support them. I mean, if if they're the people that are out there complaining about the candidates left and right, you know, went out and started grooming candidates and supporting them like I've done with some of the people around 
here in my township and around the area, uh, these are people that are beholden, and I help them once they get there, too. I mean, you know, we got public service running around cutting holes in brand-new pavement and making a mess out of them. And, you know, I coach these young office holders to go out there and, and set a precedent right away, get this fixed so that that doesn't happen anymore, and they won't be making that so they're not potholed, you know, two, three years from now. Fix them the way you found them. Uh, so, but, uh, you know, that whole notion that we need to support these candidates, if we spent some people half as much time on the Internet complaining about them and going out there and just grooming a candidate, supporting them, so that when you call them or look them in the eye, they hear what you're saying and they answer your phone call. Okay? So, you know, we can complain about the left and the right all day long, you know, in the end, they are who we elect. And if they can't, you know, stay true to labor, then they have a problem with us. And we need, you know, individuals to go out there and groom candidates and educate them on our issues, the ones we talk about here on the show and the ones that are posted around the Internet. Sitting around complaining about this one or that one, because they have an R or a D behind their name. Let's just talk about worker and corporate-friendly people. And we find worker-friendly people, let's groom them and get them into office and so they and remind them every now and then so they don't forget who to help put them there. You know, so I agree, David. You know, I mean, there's a lot no, of people say I'm of the opinion that um, what I see on Facebook pages um, not all of them, because it's not allowed on every Facebook page, is a complete disaster. Members calling each other names, infighting. It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. In one year from now, there's another group of conservatives coming after them, and they work on Jefferson Avenue. Their time would be much better spent reading the contract that they have currently before them and the UAW Constitution. Most of the language in the national agreement is carryover language. A good portion of that carryover language needs to be removed. We can discuss that throughout the year. Um, If they could do just that, learn to read their contract that they have before them and understand it verbatim, then they would have a much easier time going through the white book. All they would have to do is read the deletions and additions. So hopefully some administrators that run these pages can step up and correct this issue. I agree. Okay. Uh, well, we're getting a little uh, long. We're 35 minutes and 34 minutes in. And, uh, I let me, let me. What's that? Let Go me ahead. get. Yeah, I know. A lot of stuff on. I there. have a lot to say. Uh, let yet, me get. So. Yeah, I know. I got it. Uh, let me get Jeff on the uh, uh, the call and uh, or the show. And uh, Jeff, do you want to cover the Constitution series today, or you want? Because we got um, a lot to talk about. You good with this coming in next week and finishing up, or what? What? Let's do it next week, Dave. 
uh, reposted oh. the Constitution, 2014 Constitution, mm-hmm. and it's in a different format, and I have a hard time reading it. You're right. It's so small. Okay. So I have, carry it, on I have it in different... I have it in the old format, so I'll, I'll send that to you, Jeff, so that you can you okay. can uh, see it better and 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 do it better, and then we'll put all the changes in there. Uh, one okay. thing on on your report, you 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 had a PRB case. Just just cover yes, this briefly, uh, and you were successful, and they recommended changes, and I believe those changes were made. Do you want to comment on that that change that you were? You know, this was a direct result of working for a living, uh, supporting you, and all all of the members of working for a living supporting you. And uh, I wrote your PRB for the most part uh, appeal from pretty much from day one, uh, and you were successful in your oral presentation uh, at PRB. So. Uh, again, this was a change that was made in the Constitution at convention. And why don't you tell them what that change was, Jeff? I'm not really sure what the exact wording was on that change. You're right. Um, okay. You can do it. I know you were there. Um, yeah. I didn't make every day of the convention. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it has to do with uh, when... Um, the uh, appeal when when you challenge whether uh, char- charges are proper or improper, they must go through the public review board prior to having a trial. Okay, and before this, the uh, trial could occur after the international executive board decision but before the public review board decision. So you would have a trial, and it got published before the PRB had a chance to give you due process and see if an outside authority thought that they were proper or improper, outside being the impartial authority of the public review board. And, of course, they found that these charges were not proper and reinstituted your membership for you, Andre and Marie, uh, immediately upon their decision. So um, that's the change that was made. The exact verbiage uh, we'll see when they actually publish it, but the the appeal now has to go through of the charges being proper or improper need to go through the PRB level before a trial can commence, if at all. Okay, so that was that one. All right. Well, having said that, uh, thank you, Jeff, for going through all of that and getting through it. And uh, we'll look forward to more from you next week when we uh, have a little more on the Constitution. Thank you. Let's get David in here. I know David's got a lot to say uh, about a lot of things. And, uh, Dave, go ahead on your report. Um, I'm going to start, Leroy, with uh, a piece I wrote for social media this week. Um, I'm going to read that verbatim. Um, For those retirees in Region 1D, if you haven't yet received the news publication viewpoint, it should be in the mailbox soon. On page 8 is the article about Cindy Estrada's visit. The following is an excerpt from the article. Cindy said, I am telling you about this stuff 
because it's going to affect retirees and workers in our plants. We have around 17,000 members who do not have a pension. We have sat at the bargaining table in 2014 fighting to keep what we have, and we, ha and we need to help get our members without a pension a pension. It will only get worse next time. The $500 you used to receive, you deserve, and so much more. We wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be here, if it wasn't for the retirees. The former vice president, the former GM vice president, was very young when her father brought her into the UAW. So perhaps she doesn't have knowledge of the 1996 national agreement. This was the first agreement that gave retirees inflation protection payments. Inflation protection payments was the closest they could come in negotiations for Trucola and pensions. The first payments were 1000 Over the years, payments were lowered in future bargaining. When inflation protection payments were completely taken from our retirees in 2011, those last payments were $700. Somewhere, Cindy lost $200. However, I'm happy to see this former GM vice president make claim the UAW does in fact negotiate for retirees, although the bargaining is permissive in nature. Time and time again, we have saw appointees on this page and others tell our retirees the UAW doesn't and cannot bargain for retirees. The name Ralph Light comes to mind when I think of those who like to poke the retiree in the eye. The UAW has been bargaining for our retirees, regardless the claims of appointees. Some of this bargaining hasn't really been what we had hoped for loss of Medicare reimbursement, loss of age creep, loss of inflation protection payments, loss of dental insurance. Dental insurance has been restored thanks to the tenacity of Leroy McKnight. There are still many retirees that still pay for COBRA continuation of benefits for life that came out of bankruptcy. I do agree those 17,000 members who do not have a pension should receive one, regardless if they want one or not. Um, the 401k was never intended to be anything more than an additional savings program. In a few days, I will put together a post that will explain better how the UAW can bargain better benefits for retirees. The opinion has been stored in the history of the Supreme Court since 1971. In the future, I hope we hear more from our new vice president at GM. To the workers of FCA, we wish you the best from all of us at GM. That was something that I put out on the Internet this week. Um, I was disgusted when I saw that um, she had uh, lost $200. Um, this lady really doesn't have a clue as to what she's talking about. And I, I feel for the folks at FCA. Yeah. yeah. We we started off with $1,000 and it went to eight, And then when it was finished up, it was 700 We never received a $500 payment. So it just shows the knowledge base 
of some of the people in, in leadership. So I know you have other things to cover, David. Go ahead. Well, also in permissive bargaining in 2015, um, not that it's not appreciated because it is. Every GM retiree received a one-time stipend of $500. What's disgusting is that every surviving spouse was left out. They received nothing but a slap in the face. Let's hope that don't happen to them again. Moving on, um, I'd like to discuss our leadership the first thing I would like to say about the convention is I'm dismayed by what happened there. On Monday, um, delegates who are friendly and who are willing to speak to anyone, um, they had a whole other change of attitude come Tuesday, did they not? Um, I overheard delegates greeting delegates with the phrase, oil to the caucus as they shook hands. Um, delegates who were willing to accept slate cards and pens. Um, some of them plain, you know, wouldn't even speak to you if they the other way. Some of them said, I've already heard about that. Yeah, they heard about it at the Ruther Caucus meeting. That's where things changed. It's my understanding in that meeting, they were told, um, if they didn't, if they if they didn't go along with them, they could just leave. That room should have been empty. And given Dennis Williams a cabin at Black Lake for the rest of his life, all expenses paid. That was ridiculous. Not to mention a 33% raise. Guess what our members want? Yeah, we want 33% too. Um, I'd like to talk about company unionism. Um, Post-World War II, liberation of Germany, there were still many Germans who wouldn't believe what had occurred in their country. They literally had to be taken into concentration camps and shown the carnage before they would actually believe what had occurred. That's where we're at in the UAW today. We have a whole lot of people out there in denial of what this union really has turned into, and that is a legal modern-day company union. And I would like to um, read from uh, Counterpoint, Counterpunch, actually, um, verbatim. The article was written by Shamus Cookie. He wrote this in January, on January 22nd, 2010. It's a pretty good definition of what company unionism is. The evolution of the company union in the U.S. is a history of both labor's progress and missteps. It is a story that, at the bottom, speaks to the battle of workers to find an independent, powerful presence on the job and to push this cloud into the community to help shape the broader public realm. Unions came into existence organically wherever capitalism developed. As soon as workers were brought together by small numbers, 
the employers for employers and compelled to make profits for them all. The employees naturally sought to defend themselves. A living wage and a decent working conditions failed to emerge through the goodwill of the employers. Unfortunately, so workers took matters into their own hands. They formed organizations that promoted their interests at the expense of the boss's profits. And as soon as these fledgling unions became powerful, the owners sought to undermine them. When the unions were too powerful to be drowned in blood, the bosses sought other techniques. The company union was typically a preventative measure initiated by the employers to lure workers away from real unions. Where workers became militant and bold in their demands, the company would offer a venue for them to voice their concerns, and sometimes these concerns were properly addressed, sometimes. Of course, these company unions were totally controlled by the employer. They would they could be whisked away if the workers were impolite or too demanding. These fake unions automatically eliminated the strength workers would have had if they had belonged to an independent larger labor union. Some issues that workers sought to remedy were purposely kept off the table. During World War One, the growth the growth of company unions was encouraged by the US government which sought to stem the growing surge of worker radicalism. Employer, employee councils were set up in mass and where nothing could be agreed upon, and where nothing could be agreed upon, excuse me. The federal government would swoop in to try to smooth over the conflict. The, lab, the union labor upsurge before, during, and after World War II was unprecedented, scarring the employer's class stiff by exhibiting its organized strength and winning workers' demands. FDR used a combination of tactics to defuse the worker-owner conflict, compromise, the National Guard, and finally appealing to the national patriotism needed to win worker support for World War II. FDR set up the National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, in an attempt to balance the conflict between workers and their employers. The NLRB falsely claimed that it would remain objective in its work, but it functioned inside a government where giant corporations dominate the political system. FDR's Labor Relations Act effectively banned the company union in practice, but the essence of the phenomenon would linger until the present where it maintains its historic poisonous influence. The the fundamental aim of modern company union ideology is to promote the concept of identical interests between workers and employers. It's a philosophy of cooperation and teamwork, where in reality, bitter hostility and mutual distrust are accurate reflections of the attitudes of workers and owners. Emotions based on real antagonism between wages and profits. That's as far as I'm going to go into um, this piece that was well written. Um, That's where we're at today, whether anyone wants to believe it or not. The UAW is a company union. 
that's my opinion. Um, there are a lot of people out there that don't like my opinion, and I don't really care. Um, what's going on in this union is a disgrace. Money changing hands. DOJ says these contracts probably were influenced. Now, if that's not a company union, what is it? We also know of a worker who went to a town hall meeting. While he was at this town hall meeting, he spoke out of out of place. Well, in the mind of management, he did, and he was put and he was removed and placed on notice in front of the former vice president of FCA Corporate. FCA UAW. Pretty much goes right along with this piece. So that's where we are today um, in our union. It's a company union. Their interests are more aligned with the corporation than they are with the workers. And what are we going to do to change that? What are the people on the floor going to do to change that? That's a question that's left. We also have the issues of two assembly plants in the United States. Um, one needs a new paint system so that they may begin to continue to build a future product. And we have um, another facility in Ohio that's looking at closing. The UAW needs to get off of their rear end and strike. And they need to do that right now because it's beginning to look like the same old, same old that the UAW has always done in the past. Sit there and watch it close and then blame a politician. And that goes back to my complete disgust of all of the politics, infighting, and name-calling amongst members in these threads on Facebook. No politician will be sitting at the bargaining table, and no politician is going to take us out on strike. The hatchback needs to be brought back here and put into Lordstown, or they need to retool that plant and bring that blazer back here to be built. And the only way that's going to happen is if Gary Jones gets out of his chair and does something and directs his regional director to get started on it. That's all I have to say, Larry. Hey, David. Covered a lot there. Um, you know, they gave him a raise because we're supposed to get the best, right? 33%. 33%. Start start earning it. it. Yeah, start earning it. You know, your leadership got there. You know, and we haven't heard much out of you. We heard that Dietz suspended Vice President General Motors Department, UAW, Dietz, suspended GMS. That's where the uh, international and the corporation meet at the highest level, decide what is going to occur, and then tell, impose it, tell everybody and impose it upon the local unions. We saw that at Lake Orion and and, uh, Lordstown with this uh, competitive agreement. And 
quite frankly, that's illegal. Yeah. Federal law says that the chairperson, the duly elected representative, and that's the chairperson, is the only person that can negotiate on behalf of the members at the local union level. The international operates only on advice and consent upon request. We got some little feedback from somebody here. I'm not sure who that is. It's got radio on or something. Um, so that advice and consent isn't setting up a committee by contract that shoves it down everybody's throat. So he suspended it, and we heard nothing about the suspension since. Okay? Here's your answer. Right. <laughs> he wants help from you. <laughs> uh, somebody just sent that in a, in a, uh, a PM. Uh, here's your answer. Your answer is, do what you can with GMS before you suspend it. In other words, for example, remove any and all redundant language from the contracts that's redundant with federal law. There is no way federal law belongs in our agreement at all. I'm talking about the Pension Protection Act of 2006 needs to be pulled from our agreements, all of them, the Detroit Three and any other agreements out there. And then, once you accomplish, accomplish, accomplish what you want accomplished with GMS, and of course you're way ahead of yourself and didn't get anything out of it before you made this big-ass announcement. Okay? You have uh, to just simply say GMS is illegal and refer the law because you have the uh, not only the right but the obligation to remove anything that violates law from the agreement. Okay? So that's what you do, Dietz. It's good that you have the kahunas to go ahead and try and stop that. But act on it in a way that benefits us the most. Okay? Yeah, it's in black letter print in the agreement. Also violates law. If you need to, I'll send it to you. We have written it up on someone else's case locally. So, having said all of that, uh, yeah, you got a lot of work to do. You know, another thing that's going to kind of lead into my own report here, um, the president of the UAW that we just gave a 33% um, increase in wages because we need to get the best, is responsible in all the cap community action program people report to him, all the staff members. The CAP department is under the direction of the UAW president. Now, under your direction, 
brother, you allowed a local union to organize, schedule, and actually uh, have the event, a golf outing, on Saturday, August 4th, yesterday, on GOTV weekend, get out the vote weekend for the primary. Every candidate out there heard about your golf outing. And they're going, you guys are out golfing? Okay, Mr. President, why did you do that? Why did you allow such an event to be scheduled on GOTV weekend? Earn your 33% more and stop what you're doing. And that's sitting on your ass. She's pausing. Get that hatchback returned, repatriated to Lordstown. Or retool it and bring the blazer there and have it built there. That's your job. Protect us. And you're going to have a big-ass party on August 25th say, oh, we're going to have globalization conference. Work on the United States first. Yeah, I don't you're going think to send all our work elsewhere? Okay. We need to get out there and support our candidates. Gretchen Whitman's running for, for governor here. We have a whole ballot proposal in Missouri that everybody needs to be out knocking doors, working the poll, passing out a piece of literature saying right to work isn't in the best interest of workers at all. And that comes from the cap department, Mr. President. You can't have golf outings and support candidates at the same time. Get your ass in gear and do your frickin' job. You're not doing your job. You're making a lot of money, and we know you're probably making a lot of other money, too. We have paperwork on the previous presidents receiving extra money. Did that carry over to you? We don't know yet, but we're going to dig and find out. I want everybody to remember this. Go ahead, Larry. Pensions never grew while the market went up from 6,667 to 26,616. The pensions did not appreciate in value. I'll bet you when the market starts down, they're going to give us dollar-for-dollar downward movement, and they'll cut our pensions and the retirees who should have been most opposing you will be the worst hurt in their support of you. I want everybody to remember what I just said about pension plan. I'm here to tell you it's going to come back and hurt us, every retiree. So, 
Having said that, that's about all I have to say. I, I you know, I've talked about politics enough, I suppose, in the in the announcements and in the email. Uh, I think I have I some more to say. Go ahead, David. Yeah. Um, I'd like to speak about what happened at Lordstown and Lake Orion in regards to the material handling jobs. Um, this is a real problem, and if you don't. The rest of you who still have your material handling jobs, that problem's coming to you soon. What needs to be done now, you need to get together. If you're on a truck delivering materials, let me tell you something about your exclusive bargaining agent within your local unit. That is your shop chairman. By law, the international and the region could not bargain inside the local unit. Only your exclusive bargaining agent, your shop chairman. There's nothing more dangerous than a frightened shop chairman with a pen in his hand. Oh, yeah. They'll sit him down at the table and they'll read him the riot act. And he'll sign away your jobs. Now, if you want to protect those jobs... You get a quorum together, and you go into your local union hall, and you surprise them, and you make a motion that no no present or future exclusive bargaining agent for the local shall participate in any bargaining with the region or the international to sign any MOU that affects employees' jobs without full disclosure and a vote of the membership. You're actually doing your shop chairman a favor by tying his hands behind his back. That's how you protect your jobs. Hopefully, you get that done before it's too late. Go ahead, Leroy. Yeah, thank you, David. You know, you and I have discussed that a number of times. That's absolutely true. If you make that motion at your local union meeting and it gets passed, then no one can go behind your back as a membership and negotiate MOU adjustments to your agreement. That's a a memorandum of understanding that adjusts your agreement in any way uh, without your knowledge and approval okay so uh and you want to tie into that a vote of the people before that a vote of the membership before uh the mou can be signed okay so that's the other nuance to that that you want to put in there having said that uh david do you have anything else tonight we're getting a little bit long no i don't okay Remember, everybody, support your candidates if you have a primary, your endorsed candidates if you have a primary this Tuesday. And everybody in Missouri, you have a monumental task to prevent right to work from passing in your state. Get out there and make it happen. Follow the leadership of brother and president 2250. 
Glenn Cage Jr. He's doing a good job for you there. Get behind him and try and help him to stop. Okay. Having said all that, um, I want to shout out to all our friends around the world. I mean, anybody else have anything to say in closing? I better ask that. Jeff, you got anything to say in closing? No, I agree with everything that David was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Da- David, do you have anything to follow, follow up? No, I think I said enough tonight. Yeah, you're good. No problem. I, I agree with everything you said, too. Uh, it, it has become a company union, and we all know that. And we've discussed on the show why and some of the reasons for their behavior uh, at the international level. Uh, I'm, but, I'm praying for um, DOJ oversight. Well, it might happen that we have DOJ oversight just take take over control of the union, and then have an opportunity to come back in there and and run again. Black new leadership. Yeah. Good leadership. So, uh, having said that, uh, let's shout out to our friends around the globe. We appreciate it. We know we took a little bit of a break here. Everybody kind of had to have a, a moment to, uh, you know, have a attitude adjustment after the convention, uh, what occurred there. I will say this. We had an agreement on Monday morning where we would all run separate and independently yet support one another in all ways. That was on Monday. And I gave a, about a 10-minute speech about how we can force a runoff election by doing that and the combining of any forces would cause us to lose votes because we lose somebody not like me or somebody not like one of the other candidates and we'd lose votes. Uh, At one o'clock on Tuesday, I was asked to change and adjust and I said we have an agreement and we need to stay by it. Okay. Uh, there were a lot of nominees, nominators that backed out uh, on two of the, the uh, uh, candidates. Uh, and uh, that was unfortunate. And I thought that that could still be worked out. At 1 o'clock on Tuesday, we were still of the mindset that we would run separately yet support one another. And I uh, supported the agreement of Monday. That was at one o'clock. Beyond that, it got out. Other people got involved, and things changed uh, that uh, I had no control over. So sometimes you just have to accept what's going on, uh, and that it is what it is. It happened for a reason. There is destiny out there, and it is what it is. I believe we had the votes to win. They had a special caucus meeting Wednesday morning at 9.30, scared as hell, because I don't think they had the votes the other side. So uh, be that as it may, uh, it is what it, what it turned out to be. We are well qualified with resume deep and experience deep in many areas and a broad database to represent you in the best interest of you. And uh, should that opportunity occur again, we'll take a look at that. And I know things would change. 
There are some other things in the wind. Uh, just stay tuned for that. But having said all of that, um, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening around the globe, our friends in Canada. Blessings to you and your leader and your leadership. Uh, Mexico, we wish the best for you. Thank you for listening, all of you that are there. And let's try and work on something that's that helps all of North America, all of us. You know, there used to be a border between Canada and the United States that was monitored, yet pretty open. Now it's almost closed because of our protectionism, and it's getting close, you know, even more so in, in, in the, low, the southern border. There are ways to figure this out. There are ways to stop the dumping in our country of other countries' products. This can be handled. This can be handled. So let's continue to have faith and, and hope. Let's go out there and support candidates. Talk to them. Let them know that you're there and you're present and your interests need to be uh, hurt all the time. So having said all of that, thank, shout out to all of our United States listeners and local unions. We appreciate everything each one of you do when you listen to the show and support us as we try and do this. Thank you very much. Having said all that, good night, David. Good night, Jeff. And good night, listeners. Good night, everybody. Bye.